Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. Not to tell you people, uh, David Bowie passed away yesterday, and it was a very sad day because I remember finding Bowie back when I lived in the Philadelphia area, and I was 9 or 10, and I remember WMMR and WYSP would always play Bowie, and I remember finding the song Ziggy Stardust, and it was one of my favorite songs, until this day, it's in my top 20. And he was so popular in the Philadelphia area because he recorded in 74 uh, David Live from the Tower Theater, which was a few minutes outside Philadelphia. And he was just amazing. But one of the best things about David Bowie is that he was, he was, uh, had, his eyes were two different colors. And to a lot of people, that doesn't mean anything. But when I was three years old, I had a congenital cataract and I had an eye operation. And uh, since that day, I've been legally blind in my eye and my right eye. And occasionally it is, uh, it's lazy. And when I get tired, it actually becomes two different colors. So as a kid, I was always like, I could associate with him because, you know, when you're a kid, that's hard to accept something like that because you're different. And it just it made me feel like, you know what? This guy's a rock star. He's he's a he's a sex symbol. He's he's an icon. And he is sort of the same situation as me. So I want to thank you, David Bowie, for not only let me enjoy your music, but let me know as a kid it was okay to be different because you, you helped me through some hard times. So. I'm going to thank you. Anyway, I'm sure my guest has a good David Bowie story. My guest is Mackenzie Phillips. How you doing, Mackenzie? Hey there. I wanted to be David Bowie. Okay. In 1973, I shaved my eyebrows, and I uh, would replace them with glitter, like glitter lightning bolts. I'd put glue in the shape of a lightning bolt and then put black glitter on, and I hung out at Rodney Bingenheimer's English Disco, and I wanted to... <coughs> Sorry, guys, I have a cold. I wanted to be Bowie. I mean, I, I was uh, uh, obsessed with the with with that culture. What were some of you like as when you were listening to him? What were some of the songs that? Because Ziggy Stardust just caught me. I mean, it was just such an amazing song. Just the beginning, the guitar, and then it it slowed down. And even Major Tom, and you know, it was just it was different. And I think you lived out in L.A. at the time, so oh, yeah. you were around it. But like in the suburbs of Philadelphia, you know, in a Jewish right. neighborhood, yeah, there's no one like David For- Bowie walking around our streets. <laughs> I loved Five Years. Five years okay. stuck on our eyes. Five years. What a surprise. Five years. My brain hurts a lot. We got five years. That's all we got. And it was amazing. And Starman and Suffragette City. And uh, yeah, I mean, just on and on and on and on. I mean, it was the soundtrack of my life in the 70s. I mean, it was absolutely uh, mind-blowing, life-changing. And um, my dad was the musical director on Man Who Fell to Earth. Okay. And um, so, you know, he wrote some of the songs that were in the film and um, Bowie was around a little bit when I was growing up. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was absolutely devastated when I read that he had passed away and I would just, you know, I, I stayed up until two in the morning crying, you know, just scrolling and scrolling and reading articles. Well, what's amazing about it was, you know, because I have a background in stand-up, so I know a lot of comics on Facebook and I know a lot of entertainers and sometimes, you know, people can be a little bit mean when someone passes but nobody I, was mean no it was amazing bowie. every because i think he's someone said it the best they said i was never a huge bowie fan but i liked him and he said i don't think i know anybody who didn't like some factor of his career whether right. it be his acting he said man who fell to earth or labyrinth which i never saw but a huge hit or you know just his videos later i mean yeah. you know i always think if he had been around Making the Ziggy Stardust and all that, when MTV started, I could just imagine what the videos would have been. Amazing. And then I went and watched uh, the video for Lazarus Okay. from uh, um, Blackstar, his new record. And he was basically giving us a final gift. And he was cluing us in that, you know, one of the lyrics is, um, something happened on the day he died. 
And then another one of the lyrics is, look at me, I'm in heaven. And it's beautiful. I mean, it was just this transformative career. When when I was reading, uh, people were saying, you know, musician, singer, David Bowie. I'm like, that doesn't even cover it. Icon. Yeah. I mean, a visionary, a genius, a artist. Just incredible. Well, what also it says so much, you know, I mean, first of all, I say his camp must have been very close because no one yeah. heard anything. Like, that was one of those things that I fell asleep downstairs mm-hmm. went upstairs my girlfriend put on csi cyber and then i doze off mm-hmm. and then she, i could i woke up at like 11 and she had been asleep and the news was on mm-hmm. and i heard it and i went that's like one of those things out of nowhere i mean you sit there and go like if it said ava go to passed away you go all right he's 90 right, something right you know, or certain people you go okay but, but Bowie, for, yeah it's crazy Bowie, yeah i mean i was uh i read it on the internet before i heard, heard it on television and you know people were going no it's a hoax i was like i don't think this is a hoax I don't think, and I, I went to every site I could think of, and it was on his, you know, his official website, his Twitter page, everywhere. Just brutal. Brutal, brutal, brutal. Well, now, you have, you, you have musical lineage in you. Now, now, when you were a kid, was there a lot of musicians hanging out at your house? Oh, my God. Absolutely. Like, like who? Uh, uh, Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, uh, David Bowie, uh, uh, Mick Taylor, um, you know, uh, Chuck Barris from The Gong right. Show. Graham Parsons was in the house all the time when I was a kid. No, as a kid, did you know that that was not what every other kid goes through? Like like some kids' dads have accountants come over. Your your father had rock stars. I mean, did you know at a young age, like, wait a second, this isn't, I don't have the normal childhood. Well, it was normal to me. You have to understand it was normal to me. Uh, it was, you know, if, if in fact we're the sum product of, of our experience, uh, my history isn't that surprising. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, clearly, uh, it was, a, a sort of different, it was very different. Uh, and that's the only kind of thing that you can really understand in retrospect, how, how, how specifically different it was. Now, what made you want to sit there and follow into the path? Cause I know you went into acting, but I know later you, you know, you've been involved in music, but what made you, you know, cause Mer- American Graffiti, I believe was your first movie. Correct. What what made you sit there and did, did you did your parents say you should act or did you just say this is cool? I mean, I, I thought was... it was cool. I was in I was in a uh, I went to a Waldorf school, uh, which is uh, a totally hippy dippy kind of rarefied uh, uh, education system, which was very cool. And and I raised my son in, in Waldorf education as well at Highland Hall Waldorf School. Um, and in my school, uh, we put together a band. And I was the lead singer. We were like in the fifth, sixth, seventh grade. And the troubadour uh, here in Hollywood was, you know, had an open mic night every Monday night. And one of our, uh, the guys in the band, his father was like, you know, uh, a guy from Electra Records. And another guy, his father was, uh, you know, a horn player. And and so we went to the uh, troubadour on an amateur night and um, played our set. And Fred Roos, the guy who was casting American Graffiti, was there. And he came up to me and he said, you know, uh, have you ever thought of uh, being an actress? And I was like, oh my God, that's like so cool. Let me be in a movie. Uh, The quintessential Valley girl. And I auditioned for American Graffiti, you know, with like 300 other girls. And I got the gig. And, uh, you know, I kind of rode that train in the direction it was going. I wanted to be the bad girl with the guitar. Okay. I wanted to be a rock star. And, uh, you know, I'm a good singer. I'm not a great singer. And, um, you know, American Graffiti came out and it was a huge hit. And I rode that train in the direction that it was going for many, many years. And, you know, very, very lucky, very successful at it for a very long time. Now I'm a drug counselor in a treatment center. I read that. But, you know, that's great, though, because, you know what? I think that's great for the fact that you have gone through 
abuse, uh, substance abuse problems in your life. Yeah. And I think that it's something that it's, it shows people that it can be anybody. And that's what I think. It's like sometimes people, you know, that they have misconceptions, but someone comes in and they go, wow, you know what, that you're giving back. I mean, what made you go to that path? Well, when I was a little girl, I, I wanted to be uh, either a fireman, a nun, or what we called then an abnormal psychologist. I was very interested in the processes of the mind and what made people do the things they do. And I think that was sort of uh, 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 because of the way I was raised and because of, you know, the disparity in, you know, living with my mom and then living with my dad and how odd everything was and how uh, strange it felt to be me. And I wondered what made people the way they were. And so I wanted to be a nun, fireman, or a psychologist. And um, I was always interested in behavior. Uh, I was always interested in, in the quirks and the twists of the mind. And, you know, like I said, I rode the train in the direction it was going for a really long time. And eventually that train runs out of steam. And, you know, was I going to sit around and wait for an audition or am I going to go out and do something I'm passionate about? And so I went back to school to become a, a substance use counselor, abuse counselor. And, you know, I, I just really, I really love it. I mean, uh, it, it, it is not a glamorous thing to do, but it's certainly a rewarding thing to do. And, you know, I get to go and be of service on a daily basis. Actually, I mean, I'm literally when I leave the studio, I'm going to work. <laughs> That's cool. That's good. So now, you know, you're you know on the train. Now I know also, were you close with Pat Harrington? Because I know he Very passed close away. With Pat and that must, I mean, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, it must have been a rough week for you. I it's mean, been a rough week. It's, I mean, it's something that you know. I mean, I would guess being on a set, and I've always heard when you're, and especially at your age, when you we were, were young, like a family, right? We were a family, and you know, um, it, we are, we are. You and I, Steve, are at the age where our heroes are going to begin dying. Oh, it's I and know. And it's already started, and it's brutal. And, um, you know, personal heroes in our personal lives, and then our iconic heroes as well. And that that's just a really rough thing to come to terms with, you know. And um, losing Pat, I mean, I spent all day uh, <coughs> over the weekend watching the One Day at a Time marathon in honor of Pat Harrington on uh, Antenna TV. And I just, you know, sat there with my dogs and watched TV all day and, and cried. What's it like to watch yourself on TV? I mean, uh, you know, uh, sometimes it, it's poignant. Sometimes it's uh, really sad. Sometimes it's really fun. And then sometimes you're like, God, I don't even remember one thing about doing that. I've absolutely, because, you know, because of my history. I, right. Some stuff I remember and some stuff I'm like, who, what? I said that. You know, what is it like, though, at that young age to be and I always tell people now, like a, a hit TV show back then, it's like if a TV show now gets maybe eight million viewers or something. But back then, yeah. TV shows getting up 40. I mean, like For 32 million people. Yeah. yeah. What is I mean? I mean, you know, you, you sit there and you think, you know, if you get recognized by a, a neighbor or if, like you're running to someone at the mall that you like when I was back east. I was bummed, like, I didn't run anyone at the mall that I, I grew up with. Right, but right. When you do that, it's, it's like, oh, cool. You know, or if someone, then when I did comedy, if they'd seen you, they'd go, oh, you know, but what's it like, and especially at that age, because you're, you're at a young, you're at a young age when you, when you're on the show. Yeah. What is it like to be, I mean, you're almost bigger than life, and you probably had so many girls your age reaching out to you and thinking, oh, I didn't wow. handle it well, Steve. I didn't handle it well. Some people are more, uh, uh predisposed to to handle that type of uh uh you know visibility and you know and it was you know it was what it was i mean you know look i started when i was 12 it's all i've ever known that's what i did you know and so it, it wasn't like oh uh, you know i mean when american graffiti came out 
I went to the movie theater with a bunch of friends every day and watched it like five times a day because it was like novel. It was like uh, amazing. And then, you know, becoming like, you know, uh, Tiger Beat Magazine and me and Valerie Bertinelli being like, you know, America's sweethearts. It was it was fun. I mean, it was cool. It was it, I don't know. What was it like? It was fun. I mean, is it, did you ever feel you were trapped because there's so many people that were just adoring? I mean, that's the well, thing. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, people followed us around or anything. But I remember in 1976 when I went to spend the summer in London with my dad, uh, you know, one day, you know, when the show was on hiatus. Uh, you know, one day at a time didn't air there. And so when I would walk down the street and, you know, a cute boy would go, hey, I'd go, oh, my God, it's because right. he thinks I'm cute, not because <laughs> he knows me from television. So there was there was an awareness that that then of that, of, you know, attention. Now, through the years, you've, you've done a lot of acting. Yeah. Now, do you and now you wrote a book. Yes. And you have a musical background and yes. you sang with the mamas and papas i believe yes uh what was that like i mean just sitting there going you know singing because it's a matter of it's not like singing with a band at like the viper room you know they're a known band and so you're automatically you're gonna have a crowd yeah does that make you a little bit nervous I it mean, was scary but it was so much fun and you know those those songs and those harmonies were sort of my lullabies growing up and so you know, to be able to recreate them on stage with my dad and Spanky McFarlane from Spanky and Our Gang, the music, you know, the group, and Scott McKenzie and then Denny Doherty, the original Papa, to be able to sing those songs on stage every night was just awesome. I mean, we traveled all over the world. We toured for the better part of 10 years, and it was a blast. I mean, it was really exciting. And then it was really bad because, you know, the drug problems and alcohol problems were so intense. And, you know, there was all kinds of stuff going, you know, I mean, it's like anything, you know, it was great. It was fun. It was scary. It was bad. It was, you know, tiring. It was great. It was, <laughs> I've had an interesting. You've had an interesting run. I mean, you've had a, a, a great run. I mean, you think about it. I mean, you have had drops and downs, but you're still around and, Hell yeah. and you're stronger than yes. ever, I'm sure. Oh yeah. And now we're going to talk more about your career stuff, but I want to talk about this event coming up. Okay. And that's uh, February 16th. February 16th at the Skirball Center, the Experience, Strength and Hope Awards. Um. <laughs> which benefits writers in treatment. It is uh, a wonderful, uh, it's great. I mean, I'm being honored for High on Arrival, uh, the book that I wrote that came out in 2009, uh, debuted at number three on the New York Times bestseller list, which was kind of exciting. And so, yeah, uh, Ed Begley Jr. is hosting and Alonzo Bowden, Bowden, Bowden. 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 I always say it It wrong. is a weird spelling. Yeah. It's B-O-D-E-N. You think it's like, I like think Cooper, you know it's Cooper, but- Two Ds. Yeah, it's B-O-D-D. So I guess yeah. Bowden, but it's, it's pronounced Bowden. I, you can never tell well, names. Well, he's, he's a very funny comedian. And so it's going to be a, a really fun evening. Now, how did they find you for that? Uh, uh, you know, it's the, 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 the uh, addiction recovery and treatment world in Los Angeles is pretty small. I mean, you know, I work at Pasadena Recovery Center as a substance use disorder counselor. And um, so I know Leonard Lee Bichelle, the guy who is puts it on, and um, different friends of mine have been honored over the years. Carrie White for her uh, uh, book Uppercut, she's like an iconic Hollywood hairstylist uh, in recovery. She wrote this amazing book, and she was honored. And so uh, Leonard asked me if I would be willing to be the honoree this year, and I was absolutely uh, honored to be the honoree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now the recovery. 
you've been in rehab a few times. Yeah. Now, what were some of the signs that you sat there? Was I mean, were there ever signs that you said, I really need to go? Or did people make you go? So I always wonder, what's the Which process? Which time? I went 11 times, well, like dude. If, like, in, when you were younger, <laughs> when you were younger, did, they, did I believe this? I went, I went to get, get people off my back. I mean, I, I didn't think it was a problem. You know, I was in complete denial. My brain was completely hijacked. I was like, oh, you guys, you know, okay, fine, fine. I'll go, whatever, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, I wasn't ready to to change my life. And, you know, the, the sad thing is is that most people don't get treatment, and I've had the opportunity to go 11 times, <laughs> 11 times, people. Um, and uh, we, we are sort of in the grips of an epidemic in this country with, with the opioid use disorders and, you know, people jumping from Oxycontin to heroin. Uh, people are dying left and right. And I don't mean celebrities. I mean, you know, people are dying. Well, I was surprised, you know, I mean, I saw, I read an article about New Jersey, the mm -hmm. high schools, and it's it's the nicer areas, you know, the, the heroin abuse, which for me, I mean, I, I'll be honest, I was in a comedy world, but I think I knew of like one person who did heroin. Yeah, that has changed. That has changed. You know, people, people out there, um, you know, it used to be that maybe, you know, if a room full of five people, one or two people were touched by addiction in their circle. And now it is uh, a very different story. And it is, uh, you know, more people die from uh, opioid overdoses than die from, you know, car wrecks in this country right now. I mean, uh, we're f use 80 percent. The United States of America uses 80 percent of the world's opioid prescriptions are given here in this country. It's it's epidemic. It's amazing. I know just the whole pharmaceutical business. I mean, you sit there and it's it's everything. I mean, it's just it amazes me. Like when I was younger, you know, people smoked pot in high right. school. It was like, right. oh, my God, someone got pot. And, you know, you right. you look around to yeah. that one guy who had pot and you'd be like, oh, that's that's Jersey dirt weed. But you grew up. When I was in college, we smoked California weed one time and none of us could move. Right. Because we're like, oh, my God. But that was the extent of it. And, you know, you knew some people, you know, quaaludes. But it's amazing now. This, I mean, for the heroin, it's just amazing that, especially kids, because it's like I don't know. It just it amazes me because, as a kid, I would be terrified of the word heroin. But but most of these kids, you got to understand, are starting on oxycontin or Percocet or Norco's, you know, some sort of uh, uh, prescribed and then bought on the street type of medication. And then when that becomes no longer cost effective or hard to get, you know, you'll pay eighty dollars for one oxycontin you know, for one 80 milligram Oxycontin pill, it, it's not a far jump from that to heroin. I mean, it's really basically the same thing. It's just a synthesized version and then, you know, an opioid derivative version. So, you know, people, this, this thought that, well, you know, not my kid, heroin has to be smashed. It, it's, it's, it's in our schools. It's, it's not just kids too. I mean, you know, so many of, of uh, people in our age group are addicted to, uh, you know, prescribed either anxiety medications or, you know, opioid painkillers. And when that runs out and you've got, you know, you've got an addiction in place, the fear of withdrawal is so strong that it's not a far jump to heroin. And people need to get this out of their minds that it's some sort of socioeconomic thing. It is not. Not anymore, people. Not anymore. Well, now you, because you're in recovery profession. How do we how do we sit there and get that message out there? Because it's like by doing stuff like this. I mean, because I mean, yeah, because I mean, before it was you know, mothers against drugs, and it was you know, just say no, and there's all this. Oh campaigns. God, just say no, just I mean, yeah, you know, it's useless. You know, do do your do your research. You know, that's what Google is for. Find out what this thing is and how it's affecting you know different uh you know countries and st states all over the country. 
you know, we have epidemics in certain states like the Vermont and some places in New Jersey, Connecticut. I mean, people are dying at a rate that is absolutely astounding. Young people are dying of overdoses at a rate that is absolutely unbelievable. Uh, 20 years ago, we would have laughed. And now it, it's becoming commonplace. And so uh, people need to become aware of this and start looking you know, around their own lives and their own families, their own schools, their own communities, and find out what's going on and become a part of, you know, because people think that addiction is some sort of moral failing or some sort of criminal, you know, some sort of thing like that. And, and it really, it's an illness and it's going to be begin being treated as such through the insurance companies and the Parity Act. And, you know, the, the war on drugs was a complete failure. And, you know, we cannot, as a country, incarcerate our way out of the drug problem in this country. It's not going to happen. And so it's time to start treating people with this illness uh, as though you know they had cancer or diabetes instead of just shutting them away in a prison. That's not going to fix the problem. Sorry, I'm on my soapbox. I'm oh, on my soapbox. No, my my father, he, I mean, he's passed, but, but he used to I say my mom would start talking at the dinner table and he'd say, Rosemary, get off your soapbox. Yeah. I know, I'm, I'm, I, love, I love when people get on a, a tangent. I mean, it's they because you're passionate about it. Yeah, I'm and, seriously and, passionate about it. And that's what's about great about it. And you know what I hope about this whole thing is, and, and the problem also with our pharmaceutical companies now, is if they find, let's say, some a cure, like they treat it like a pill or whatever, a medicine, what I hate what they do is they always jack the money up. Like mm-hmm. me, with my health insurance, I, would, I have a, a pill for a regular heartbeat. Mm-hmm. I changed my health insurance and the market changed, but three years ago, with my insurance, it was $198 a month. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, when Pradaxa had two other comp- competitors, then it all changed. And now it's $10 a month. And I'm afraid that's what's going to happen now. And it seems like the pharmaceutical companies do that, even though it's their product that is getting people addicted. Yes. You know, they're going to sit there and go, well, to get rid of off this product. I hate. I hope that doesn't happen where they're going to say, well, this Take pill this will product. cost yeah. you this much when this pill is going to cost you this much. And just for economic reasons, you're going to go, well, why the hell am I going to get off this pill? Would I have to spend this money? Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's a it's 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 a, a monopoly. It's unconscionable. I mean, the FDA has just approved the use of Oxycontin in people 11 and older, 11 year olds on Oxycontin. It, it, it's absolutely uh, stunning. We're creating a new generation of addicts and. Uh, I'm pissed. <laughs> well, that's good. You should be. Now, now your book, you, you mentioned your book. Now, your book came out in 2009? Correct. Okay. Now, what made you decide to write a book? I mean, because it's something that I always think, you know, one, it's your life. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, I mean, you want to share your life, but then, you know, you've, you've had some hard times. And I also think that what if people don't accept your book, then that's like, it's your life. So it's like the an insult. Like it's like if if I write a short story and if someone doesn't like it, I get hurt. I'm sensitive. Uh-huh. But what I mean, what made you to the point where you said, you know what, I want to write this? And was it a very hard process? It was a hard process, and um, there was a huge backlash. Um, but you know, uh, I know that I did the right thing, and you know, and right now I'm I'm in the end stages of completing my second book, which should be coming out in the fall, I think. So you know, I mean, I you know. I can't be tied to the outcome. Um, I'm giving my story, and the way people take it is entirely up to them. It's not a reflection of me. It's a reflection of their relationship with self. Uh, And so, yeah, you know, writing High on Arrival was transformative, and it was difficult, 
but I believe it was ultimately redemptive for me and a lot of other people. Why do you think it was redemptive? Um, be why do I think it was redemptive? Well, you know, did, you didn't read it. So, no, I, I, yeah. Um, you know, uh, it talked a lot about sexual abuse and incest and um, a lot of people who felt like they didn't have a voice, uh, felt empowered to own their own story. And, um, you know, it was a story of addiction and recovery. And I think that's a positive story. And I think people really felt um, empowered to own their own story and speak out. And that's important. Now, you do a lot of speaking events. Um, I do. I speak a lot uh, at, you know, year-end fundraisers, keynotes, that type of thing, um, telling my story. And yes, so I now, do. I like that. What is, I mean, I'm thinking, what is, because my, my girlfriend was involved in a high-profile sexual assault case in Philadelphia, and she speaks sometimes, and, and it's it's a great feeling. It's therapeutic for her, and it's also a great feeling with people who go. What is, I mean, what are some of the wonderful people, uh, wonderful things people said to you after hearing you, or have you felt like you've inspired well, some people? I don't speak on uh, sexual assault or incest. I speak about addiction and recovery. I'm, I'm saying, I know, but it's the same. I mean, I'm, I'm making a parallel there. I know, but I just want to make okay. it clear that that's not what my story is. Do you, consists of. do you get a lot of I get uh, a lot of people coming up to me and saying you know you didn't have an army honey but you got one now um, you know uh, uh, people just saying you know I was uh, yes people come up to me all the time uh, you know, even in the grocery store you know I'm hugging a stranger in, in you know in, in Whole Foods you know I, you know what's funny do you go to Whole Foods a lot well not not so much I mean more Trader Joe's I, I go to the Trader Joe's in Burbank and it always confuses me and I, I don't know which one you go to but the when the parking lots are always full. Always. But when you go in, it seems like it's empty. Not but, in my trader. But, it's like it's like a traffic jam see, in there. My thing is though when I go to Trader Joe's and the parking lot's empty, the store is always full. What is that about? I don't know. It's I crazy. don't know. Let's ask it's Seinfeld. It's sec. We'll ask Seinfeld. So now now you were also on a kids show. I was on a, a Disney, Dis Disney which, Channel series called So Weird. Yeah. Now what's that like? I mean, it's something. It's a different. What's I mean, it like to be a kid. I mean, on I, a kids show. I mean, it's 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 something different for you. I mean, it was fun to play a mom for Disney Channel with you know my history of you know addiction and recovery and rock and roll and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was like having Mickey Mouse stamp of approval on my forehead. I enjoyed it a great deal. It was really fun. I played a mom who was a rock star, and uh, so I got to sing and you know play and write you. Know, you know, play some great songs, and I had a great time, and it was really fun. Now, music-wise, what are some of the bands you enjoy these days? Because you, you. Oh, you know, I love classic rock. I mean, I'm a real classic rock person, so I love the Stones and Zeppelin, Bowie. Um, you know, what do I listen to? You know, I, I'm like, I love Bonnie Raitt. I love Crosby, Stills and Nash. I mean, look, I'm 56 years old. That's my stuff. Um, so yeah. See, I'm 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 someone I, I like classic rock, but I also like the '80s music. I'm 52, so I think it's just that was more of my. Yeah, thing. I'm not I'm not an '80s rock person. Um, I mean, you know, I like a little, you know, a little bit here and there, but yeah. Now, are you still going out for acting auditions? Do you do you miss? No, no. So, but did you miss acting at all? Or? Uh, you know, I get to do it once in a while, um, so that's kind of fun. Um, but you know, when I'm carrying a caseload of vulnerable people at the treatment center where I work in. Pa at Pasadena Recovery Center, I can't just say, oh, I got a gig. Right. I'm going to, you know, Vancouver for three weeks. Uh, so I, I, I had to choose which side of the fence I'm going to be on, you know. And like like last year, I got a call that I got an offer to be on Valerie's show, Hot in Cleveland, before it went off the air. And I went to my boss at Pasadena Recovery Center, and he said, oh, Mac, you have to do this. So I was able to do that. Um, but, you know, 
I, I'm either a counselor or I'm an actor, or I can, you know, occasionally get to do both. Now, you recently did a cooking show with Valerie Burton. I did. I went and um, guest guested on Valerie's Home Cooking on the Food Channel. Now, are you are you do you like cooking? Are you? A big... I love to cook. I mean, I, I I don't cook that. I mean, I work you know forty hours a week, so um, I'm not a, cooking as much. And my son's going to be twenty nine in February, so it's not like I have to cook for a kid anymore. Um, but we had a great time, and I love Valerie. We have a, a great connection. Now, what was the steps that it would someone would take to become a counselor? Uh, I mean, you know, you, you you said you made a decision. You said, this is what I'm going to do. Is it a long process? Is it a <clears throat> long schooling? Or how does someone... It depends. You can do a hybrid where, where you can uh, fast track through the education process, or you can go to a traditional, you know, uh, UCLA type thing where it takes 18 months to get through it. Uh, and then you have to do an internship and gather up your hours. And then, you know, in order to test in at a certain level, you have to have a certain amount of hours uh, interning. So, you know, I, I fast tracked it and, you know, it, it, it was amazing. I mean, I thought that counseling was just sitting in a room with a person and talking about their problems and being, you know, uh, m- you know, motivating and inspiring, but you know, the amount of paperwork and documentation, you know, there are a lot of HIPAA standards that have to be met. And, uh, you know, it's not just sitting there in an office talking to somebody, you know, you have to document everything and there are treatment plans to be created and there are insurance and it's it's you know there are files it's like i was like oh whoa i don't know if i can do that that is not something i've ever done or ever even thought about doing but i'm a quick learner and i just sort of got into the groove really really easily now is one of the reasons why you went to the the place you're at was because you're on celebrity rehab um i was doing groups at pasadena recovery center um before i went to school back to school like i was going in and doing a couple groups a week just you know because it's a fun thing to do to be with the clients and then um i started going out to conferences you know we have a lot of conferences during the year um addiction treatment professional recovery based conferences and i started going out to conferences and i started meeting a lot of people and they said you know you should be a counselor and um so that's how it happened. And so, you know, I've only worked at Pasadena Recovery Center um, and I really feel very loyal to them. So that's where where I do my my work. It's it is. I mean, it is a great field. I mean, and it's something that it, do people do need help. But was it was it so much scary starting up as freshman? I mean, because, you know, you sit there, it's you know, you're seeing so many people and you seem like a caring person. You want to help everybody. And and I'm sure there's some people that you talk to and, you know, cause especially from your past that, you know, OK, they're going to go through this, and then I know a few months later, I'm going to hear something. And it's also a topic where, you know, it's not only someone relapsing, someone can die. I mean, Absolutely. And it's, it's a heartbreaking thing. Um, and you just do the best you can. And, you know, uh, it, 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 it is difficult. It's difficult. And, and counselor wellness is really important to take care of of oneself because if you're not taking care of yourself you can't be of service to another person and so it's a very difficult thing when someone relapses or someone dies it 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 is heartbreaking now how many people do you deal with on a daily basis um how many clients yes uh well right now i have nine clients on my caseload so um but but you know i mean we we are um in network with most insurances we have a lot of beds so it's a very busy, big treatment center. And, um, 
So I do groups, I do process groups, I do one-on-ones with clients. Um, it's a, it's, it's a, I wake, I get to work in the morning and the next thing I know, it's like eight hours later. And, you know, I've just been going and doing all day long. Well, I mean, the thing is though, like we, you know, like a celebrity have, we saw like it's, it's edited. Okay. So, I mean, there's the meetings, but what, I mean, so what is it? Does everyone get up and eat? I mean, what's the daily day like? Cause it's always, well, you always want to know what's going on. Cause it's, it's, it fascinates me and it's just, it's such a good thing that, but people don't know really. Don't know what's going on because what we see, we see on TV, and we know that's editor. You see like a TV well, well, show. Well, you know, they get up and they have breakfast, and then there's maybe uh, it's time for double scrub to clean your room, and and then uh, it's time to go uh, to group, and then you know your counselor might pull you out for a one-on-one session, and then um, maybe there's yoga, and then there's another group, and then there's acupuncture, and then there's another group. You know, it's it's a full treatment day, and then. Uh, there's dinner and then there's an evening group, you know, then there's family sessions, family group there. There's the Rose Bowl walk. We play softball on Fridays. You know, it's it's to try and get someone uh, uh, interested and integrated into a schedule, a routine where they're accountable and they have assigned work that needs to be completed. Time management, you know, um, it's really a, 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 a process. Now, how do you keep on the straight and narrow? I mean, is there something, is there certain exercises you do? Do you go to meetings or what do you do? I go to meetings. I work with others. I mean, I don't, I'm not the kind of person that wakes up in the morning and thinks, how am I going to get through the day without a drink or, or, you know, a shot of heroin or whatever. Um, recovery comes naturally to me. It's not a, a battle. Uh, I love what I do. I love being in recovery. I'm just a happy, I'm generally, you know, a cheerful, happy person right now. I have a fever and a cold, so I'm feeling like crap, but how'd you get that fever? I mean, it's, it's... Uh, I work look, I'm, I'm like in contact with 50 people a day, Yeah, that's true. you know? And so then when you just start getting better and then you get in contact with another strain of it and you know, uh, it's brutal. It's like, it's like, you know, you have a kid in, in, in a uh, grade school and they come home and they've got a cold and then the family gets the cold and then everybody gets better over the weekend and then the kid comes home on Monday and everyone gets sick again. It's the same kind of thing. Now you have your vape. I have my vape. Now you should be having your vape if you have a cold, but I'm not, I'm not oh, going to, no, you. but I, no, I used to, when I used to, I just said the F word. Oh, you can't. It's fine. Okay, no, okay. What I used to do is when I would smoke back in the day, I would want to smoke. <laughs> I, was, I was one of the smokers that I, I was, I didn't need a cigarette. Like if I, when I waited tables, if I had a rough day, I wouldn't smoke because I feel like I go back to the table and I smell like crap and they'd be like, you know, right. but I would sit there and I would enjoy a smoke. And I, when I would have a cold, I would actually have like a cough drop and smoke, which is so bad. Oh yeah. But now, now what made you decide to quit smoking and how long were you a smoker? For? I, I was I smoked, 25 years. I smoked so. for over 40 years. Um, and I, you know, was short of breath. I was coughing. I would wake up in the middle of the night coughing. Um, you know, uh, it just was nasty. And my hair smelled and my clothes smelled and uh, I had COPD and I just couldn't handle it anymore. And got to the point where I would be smoking a cigarette and I would go, I hate myself for doing this. Uh, uh, And so I just made a decision one day. I threw out my cigarettes. I went and bought a vape and I have never had another cigarette since. And it's been going on two and a half years. Okay. And so the vape is just, what are vapes actually? I mean, is it just, it's it's a chemical in there or what is it? You know? It's, um... Vegetable glycerin. Okay, so you just and you just suck on it. And then... It's it got a battery. It's it's electronic and she's vaping. See, that? she's vaping in the studio. Yeah, it smells like butterscotch. It's butterscotch flavored. Now, do you do you feel the 
a fact. I mean, with I mean, I don't, I don't like feel the, I don't. nicotine, or is it just it's got nicotine in it? Is it more of just? Oh, it does smell like butterscotch. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, is it more of a habit that you that you think it is that you you still hold that? Or I don't know, man. I don't think about it. You I don't just, think about no, it. No, I don't. I just it 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 gives me the nicotine. I mean, you know, because it's not the nicotine that causes cancer. It's the tar and the additives that cause cancer. So it's, you know, I mean, I'm a nicotine addict. Oh, well. I guess I'm still clean, though. Yeah, of course <laughs> you are. Yeah, it's like nicotine. No, it's, <laughs> but that makes it, but except for that cough. Uh, so now, now the new book, now what made you decide to write that after your first book? Was it because, one, your first book did so well, which, I mean, and that's awesome. I mean, what did, did you ever think, you know, back when you were in American Graffiti and then you're in One Day at a Time and you were going through some hard times. Did you ever think, and people that you would sit there and we don't think forward, like you would sit there and go, one day I'm going to write a book and I'm not going to write a book. It's going to come out at number three. I mean, that's big shit. I mean, New York's best time. That's like, that's like, there's authors out there and writers probably like, wow. I mean, did you, I mean, what did you ever think that you would write? And did you, you I always plan to write a book. Okay. And the first time I got an offer to write my life story, I was in my 20s. I'm like, no, 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 th- no, I'm not going to write my life story in my 20s. That's just cheesy, you know, and um, and frankly, uh, I went through the process several times and I just wasn't ready to uh, be completely honest. And when I was ready to be completely honest, then it was time to do it. And you wrote it and yeah. it was great. Yeah. And it took off. Yes. Which is uh, a great accomplishment. Now you're going to decide you're writing your second book. Correct. Now, are you one of these people that sits there and is worrying that it's not going to do as well, or you just don't give a crap? Like I said earlier, I try not to be so tied to the outcome of things. The doing of it is the gift, not the the actual outcome of what happens with it. Although, if that's good, that's great. And if it's not, that's okay, too. I mean, this book is not like High on Arrival. High on Arrival was, you know, sort of a tell-all you know, the story of a life that was very, very, you know, up and down and, you know, scary and sad and salacious and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, this is more of a, a recovery handbook. Um, you know, what the newly recovering person might feel, might expect. You could open it at any to any page, you know, and use it as sort of a reference book for uh, how you're feeling, what to expect, what it's like, you know, the journey rather than the actual destination of recovery. Now, is there biographical stuff in it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, on the fact of stories of your past, or uh, is it just about... There's stories of the past. There's, you know, reference to the present. There's reference to my work as a counselor. Um, it's not complete yet. We, we're getting we're getting to... We just did the cover shoot the other day. We're getting to the point where it's getting ready. Are you excited? Yeah. I mean, it's, sure. I mean, no, it's, it's like, it seems like it's... It's a second step, like you know, where you've made a second step, but now you're doing with the with the uh, recovery. You're writing a book about that can help people. I mean, it must be a very exciting time in your life right now. I mean, it sounds like people may think that say, well, you know, she was played on stage and she was in a sitcom, and which is great, but this must be this just like a, like a second beginning, just in a wonderful time. This is like a life of purpose. You talk, people always talk about a life of purpose, and you know. Like I said, and when I say I rode that train in the direction it was going, it means that I was sort of passive about it, you know, and um, uh, I just did, you know, what was in front of me. Uh, and it, 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 and this time, you know, I'm not going to be alive as long as I have unless I'm some sort of al- anomaly, you know, and it's my time. And um, I'm following my passion, and my passion is helping addicts who are still suffering. My passion is getting the word out that this is not a moral failing. My passion is to stop this stigma and 
to get to these pharmaceutical companies that are pandering to these kids, you know, 11-year-olds on OxyContin. Who are we kidding? What is going on here? You know, and so I have this amazing platform, this amazing, amazing access, and I, and, uh, I believe that, that I need to use it for what, what I'm passionate about. And so that's what I'm doing. That's awesome. Thank now, you. I want to. It's great because I mean, I said you you can, you can make a difference, and you are. A yeah. lot of people can make a difference, and they aren't. What What are some of your fondest memories from your acting days? Like looking back, you know, when when you sit there, and what are your proudest accomplishments? Some of your fondest memories from the acting days. Oh, you know, one day at a time was just such a blast. I mean, we had so much fun. What you see on the screen compared to you know what we did in the rehearsal room, we just had a great time. And uh, I really loved working on So Weird, the Disney Channel. I mean, I just loved everything. I'm a happy person. Everything is like icing on a cake. You know, I've had a great life, you know, and people come up to me and they go, oh, my God, I've been I'm so I feel so sorry for what's happened to you. And I'm like, I'm fine. You know, uh, it's weird when it's happening in your life. It's it's like the trauma. Yes, there is trauma. But ultimately, um, it's how you react to it that that that. Uh, informs your experience in your own body and in your own life and uh i you know i mean my fondest memories i had a pat harrington was one of the funniest men i've ever met in my life one of the kindest men i've ever known and bonnie franklin was like a second mom to me i mean i have been given a gift after gift after gift in this life you know what you know what's something that you know i I, i'm sure you guys know but like my girlfriend grew up with her and her brother and her mom a single mom at the around the same time maybe a few years later and looking back you guys really i mean i don't know if you know this but you really helped out a lot of families with single moms because it's not like now you know there's there's single moms weren't prevalent back then right and and now it's everywhere but i mean i don't it's i think sometimes i think you know i'm sure you and valerie don't really know that you really helped out a lot of younger girls and you're like you were role models back then and we do know bonnie franklin was a role model we do know because you know we talk about it a lot you know how people say wow you know no one no we were a divorced family and i was living with my mom and my sister and brother and we would gather in front of the tv every sunday night to watch one day at a time because just like you said earlier, how David Bowie made you feel like it was okay to be you, uh, one day at a time made divorced families make allowed them to feel like it was okay to be them when no one was talking about divorce and no one was really talking about the single mom phenomenon. So it, it's amazing to have that opportunity. Well, don't you think it's just weird because there's no internet now? I mean, then, but I mean, could you imagine just the difference in? I mean, you know, you think I am so grateful there was no internet back then because my notorious reputation would have been even worse isn't it i mean it's just well you have a lot of twitter followers you're like 50, yeah fifty thousand. yeah and but you know and i'm sure because you're inspirational and you're a good person people are very nice to you on twitter yes well you know depending on depending i've had some trolling but yeah but, but yeah i mean that, that's just disgust me the trolls disgust me but but the, back then yeah i mean with the t if tmz was around and all that it might oh, it have been gosh. a hard ride for oh you. it would have been would have been a harder ride for sure yeah so now now do you do you Watch any of those shows now, or do they ever talk about you? Or, or occasionally, or you, or you, just, you know, do they sit there and go, "Where?" Because I always say it when they go, "Where is she now?" And it's like, well, you know, well, if they're on your show, that means you know they're right there. There's something. You know yeah, where there's they something are. important with them. Yeah, uh, you know, I used to watch. I was that's funny. You should say that. I was thinking about this last night as I was scrolling through the TV, and it was like TMZ. I was like, wow, I used to watch TMZ every night. No, I don't watch it anymore. I mean, and I don't have a problem. You know, Harvey Levin's a nice guy. 
you know, he's he's found his niche and he's doing his thing. And um, he was very kind to me after my arrest in 2008. And I am very grateful for that. But no, I used to watch those shows. I don't watch them anymore. What do you watch? You know, it's funny. I watch Murder Mystery. I watch uh, ID, uh, Investigate Discovery. I watch that stuff. I watch Forensic Files. I watch The Voice. I watch, um, you know, a lot. I watch Orange is the New Black. I watch Game of Thrones. I'm obsessed with Shameless. Um, you know, I'm all over the place. Are you are you a binge watcher? Are you one of those people that sits there? No, no, I like I like to make it last. Now, are you watching this? Uh, I I haven't watched it. This making of a murder. I haven't watched it yet. Now it's just it's weird because someone sent me a message on uh Twitter and they said I heard you interviewed the Averys and I was like I think maybe Anderson Cooper did. Yeah, I think it's a, a very problem. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now is that something you would want to watch because you oh, love yeah, that kind of it's stuff? My stuff. Yeah, but now that there's so much information out about it, it almost makes the, the watching of it obsolete. Don't you hate that? I mean, when you sit there. On social media, especially, you can't watch like if you miss an episode of a TV show, it's all over Twitter, all over Facebook. Right. And then you go right like Walking Dead. I won. I watched the first season. I said, you know what? I might go back and watch it. And I'm on Facebook one Sunday night. Spoiler goes, alert! Or Game of Thrones. This yeah. person, this person. And I'm like, really, guys? And the worst is because I grew up back east. People put it on it after the show that time. Exactly. And I go, we haven't even guys, watched it on the West. It's Coast. not even our time. That's why I don't go on social media on Game of Thrones nights. I don't look because I don't want to know, I, you know, I mean, I, I have to say, you know, I know I'm going to see a spoiler if I'm scrolling through Facebook on a show that I haven't watched yet. So I don't do it. Now, do you tweet a lot personally? I do. Yeah. No one runs my social media. I, I mean, but you, do you tweet a lot. I mean, I'm, no, I mean, I used to tweet a lot more, but I'm so busy that I don't really have time to think up stuff. My, my private Facebook page, I'm on all the time. But um, my uh, fan page on Facebook, no, I do tweet now and then. I have an Instagram. Yeah. What's your Instagram? My Instagram is Mac Phillips at Mac Phillips, M-A-C-K Phillips, as is my Twitter, at M-A-C-K Phillips. And do you respond to people when they tweet at you? If I try. If, if they're nice. I try, yeah. Now, how do you handle a troll? I mean, I, I mean, what is like, what is- I is ignore there, them. Do you? And I block them. Isn't that the best way? I, yeah. I see sometimes I see people sit there and say- well, this person was saying this, 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 no, and I, I said this. I'm like, well, it's like anything. You a can't bully. believe some of the stuff yeah, a bully, that people have a said. A bully, if you pick some kid, if you ignore them, they're yeah. going to leave you alone. Yeah. No, I, I block them. And block. Now, through through the years, because you've had a very cool career you know, in the music and everything, who are some of your friends that you've met and you've stayed friends with? I mean, do you, is it like you sit there and think, do you hang with regular people? Totally like, regular I, people. Just, I mean, was there... My friends aren't famous. I, I totally ride below the radar. I don't hang, I mean, you know, Valerie and I hang out now and then. I mean, I, no, I mean, I, I, look, I, that's. That's I, the past. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I know famous people, you know, uh, but I don't, like, if I was going to go out this weekend, it would be with a couple of girlfriends for dinner at a local restaurant and then a movie or, you know, hang out at the beach or something. I mean, I'm not a red carpet person. That's thing. good, though. I think, not, I think it doesn't interest me. It must get tiresome. It's a, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to sound jaded. I'm not jaded, you know, uh, going to, you know, events like, you know, the music cares thing, which is, you know, the, an arm of the Grammy foundation, which benefits, you know, musicians in recovery. You know, I love walking the red carpet for that. It's, it's something that's near and dear to my heart. Um, there's stuff that I, you know, the experience strength and hope awards. That's cool. It's recovery based. You know, they're going to be famous people there. That's cool. Um, I don't try I do like coming here to talk to you is to, to break the stigma surrounding uh, addiction and recovery. And that's why um, 
I feel sort of beholden to use what little media access I do have, which is a fair amount, to talk about recovery. We talked about, you know, I mean, why why don't you think there is, why do you think it isn't out as much as it is? Well, I mean, it is. It's out I mean, much more than it's ever but, been. I mean, more, but it, it could be out so much. I mean, well, that's it's, why it's we're like, chipping away at it. Did you watch 60 Minutes a couple of weeks ago with Michael Botticelli, the new uh, Obama's drugs are, talking about addiction and recovery? It was absolutely amazing. I mean, and also what you see on social media depends on who you follow. So if you're not following SAMHSA or the the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence, and, you know, uh, that's why I follow all those. And then I retweet them and I try and get my people who are interested in classic TV or classic rock to get more information about the drug problem in this country, about alcohol abuse, about all that stuff. So I use my platform to bring awareness to this illness. What do you think are some of the, besides awareness, what do you think are some of the strongest uh, ways we can really combat it? I mean, besides just the awareness, I mean, is there, I mean, how does, to make it more aware and make it more curable, like I had Claudia Christian on who she has, there's some pill that she had talked about that's oh, yeah. supposed to cure alcoholism. Yeah. That's an alcohol problem. But I mean, how do you, how do we, ch- how do you change something? Like, you know, there's so many different things have changed and it took a long time, you know, it takes now, a long sexual time. assault with Bill Cosby is changing now. It takes a long now. time. But how, okay. do, how do you chip away at that stone and keep people I'm doing interested? it right now. You know, I mean, you know, unfortunately, uh, the, the, the national conversation uh, it goes through the roof when somebody dies, when somebody famous dies of a drug overdose. And then we talk about it for a while and then it, you know, and then it fades back into the woodwork. And then so we're trying to keep a, a, a higher profile. I mean, I was at the Unite to Face Addiction rally on, on the National Mall on October 4th. Uh, Steven Tyler, uh, uh, Sheryl Crow, Joe Walsh all performed, you know, to tens of thousands of people on the National Mall in Washington. We are on the road to more awareness, chipping away at the stigma. But, you know, as with anything, it's, you know, it starts as a grass movement, grassroots movement. It gains uh, uh, momentum and, you know, it just takes time. And we're doing that now. But while we're doing it, people are dying left and right. Every 19 minutes, someone dies in this country of an opiate overdose. Now, what are some reference points that people can find? Websites and stuff like that? You don't know? Okay, I mean, just to It's Google not that it. I don't know, but, you know, uh, there's a lot of information out there, and we have the internet right at our fingertips. So, you know, it's great to look at kitten videos and all that kind of stuff, but also educate yourself, you know? Find out what's going on. You know, if you have an addict in the family, reach out for resources. Go on the internet. Type in addiction and recovery. Type in, you know, all the different keywords and phrases. Uh, brain disease, uh, hijacked brain, uh, you know, the National Council, on the NCADD, uh, SAMHSA. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff out there. You know, you have to use your imagination and type in keywords to find out what you want to know. Okay, well, that's good. Now, now we only have a few minutes left. Okay. Movie-wise, are, are, you, are you a movie fan? Have you seen any good movies oh, lately? I don't have, you know, I have You don't have the time? No. I go every once in a while. They're so expensive now, though. I haven't been to the movie. I think I don't even remember. But the last movie I saw was uh, Mockingjay. I think. Okay. Now, do you play music anymore? Um, just for fun, to relax, you play? No. Or, no. No. I I really can't even play the guitar. They just make it look like I can on TV. So what's that like? I mean, they sit there. And, I mean, I always wonder because I had a friend who was just on who he is a drummer for Jason Aldean, and he said when they play in the award shows. They stuff the drums because he's a drummer because yeah. they don't want you to play. But he said you have to have the motion. So you just sit there and act like you're playing. Yeah. And is that is that fun? Yeah. And so now do you? I mean, I can play. I can play a couple chords. You know, five or six chords. Um. Yeah. Now do you sing anymore at all? Not 
publicly. Just, you know, you never go to karaoke or anything like that? You don't no. show up and just say, no. that'd be cool. I mean, if someone showed up, they'd be like, oh my God, it's Mackenzie Phillips. No, okay. I don't right. do that. Well, now, okay, we have to wrap up. Now, tell everyone all your meeting, all your social media that they can get oh, in touch with you. Um, uh, on Facebook, it's Mackenzie Phillips, M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E Phillips. Um, on Instagram, it's at Mac, M-A-C-K Phillips. And Twitter, it's at Mac, M-A-C-K Phillips. Not and M-A-C, M-A-C-K. M-A-C-K. Yeah. And Mac Phillips. And you'll tweet back if they tweet. And Absolutely. You're, you're good at that. And then you're you're so you're on you're you're happy doing what you're doing. I am. And you're you're very passionate about it. And I'm I, very passionate about recovery. Um, and I work at Pasadena Recovery Center in Pasadena, California. We are, uh, uh we have affordable, compassionate care. Uh, we're in network with most insurances, and we have an excellent web website, PasadenaRecoveryCenter.com. So if someone would someone has a problem. Yes. And they want to. Go to PasadenaRecoveryCenter.com. And that is it. Is it easy for, not easy, but is it a easy step for someone? Is it a long process for someone to get in? Call us and we'll get you in. I mean, we're in network with most insurances. So if you have insurance, we pretty much can bring you in today. Cool. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. Thank you so um, much. We got to go, people. Also, uh, follow me. Follow her at Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. I tweet a lot. With all the political stuff, I tweet jokes. I just have fun tweeting. I don't. I don't get too serious. I'm not gonna sit there and I don't get mean or anything like that. Uh, go to my website, <laughs> Cooper Talk. It's CooperTalk.net. I have over 460 episodes up. You can go there. You can go to iTunes or Stitcher and find me at Cooper Talk. Also, go to if you have a Google uh, phone, go to the Google Play Store for your Android tablet or phone. It's uh, the Cooper Talk app. Type in one word, Cooper Talk. Uh, my cookbook. Remember, I went through that bad health problem a few years ago. I was in ICU for. Five days with a heart problem. I got out. I had to change my diet. So I made a, wrote a cookbook called Stop the Salt. Go to my website, stopthesalt.com. It's 120 easy recipes, people. Easy. There's no pictures to intimidate you. There's no long list of ingredients. Go through it. Check it out. You can get it at barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. But if you get it from me, it's worth I make more money and I get to sign it. And I'm finally coming back to do stand-up. I will be at the... Flappers Comedy Club. That's Flappers Comedy Club in Burbank, December. I mean, January 31st. I'm opening for Hal Sparks. It's a seven o'clock show. Get your tickets. Send me an email at cooper at coopertalk.net. I will give you a link to half price tickets. So thank you for listening. Don't forget, go follow Mackenzie. Learn about addiction. Yeah. What's your last word about addiction? So we're going to kick its ass. Is that what we're going to do? Heroin sucks. All right. And so people will listen to me next week and I'll talk to you then. Bye.